Well, Dolly Parton doesn't want a statue anymore. So, yep, I guess this means the legislature might have to go back to fighting over other monuments. I'm Sergio Martinez Beltran. I'm Rachel Iacovone, and you're listening to the TriStar State, a conversation about Tennessee politics from Nashville Public Radio. This is the episode for the week of February 21st, 2021. Enjoy the show. Hey, Sergio. Hey, Rachel. How's it going? Good. Warm inside the studio. I know. The studio feels like the Caribbean, and then outside feels like the tundra. (laughs) So what happened at the state legislature in all this snow last week? Well, surprised almost nothing. You know, the legislature canceled all their business for last week due to the inclement weather. And that is a big deal because in the past, the General Assembly has been known for actually going to work when the weather is pretty bad. I mean, Let's think about this. They continued business after the 2010 floods, and they reported back to work the same day of the Nashville tornadoes last year. So, so yeah, the snowflakes and the ice made the legislature reconsider, and they decided to recess until this week. All right. So what's on the docket for this next week? Constitutional carry. And we're talking about the measure that is being pushed by Governor Bill Lee. Uh, This measure, Rachel, would do away with penalties for those who are carrying a gun without a permit, but would enhance the penalties for those who steal guns, for example. So enhanced penalties, that seems like it might conflict with what criminal justice reform advocates have called for. Right. I mean, many advocates would say that this would put more people in jail. And, you know, the Lee administration is asking for about $18 million to cover the cost of incarcerations due to this measure. So I think it's fair to say they are expecting this. But at the same time, Rachel, the administration says that this measure shows that they are committed to the Second Amendment while being tough on crime. And we know, Sergio, that there are some anti-LGBT measures that are going to be considered besides that bill that would ban transgender youths from playing sports. Can you talk about some of those others? Sure. Uh, But first things first, uh, shout out to our political intern, Kendall Crawford, who did some research into these measures, and she spotted a handful of them. So we've already talked about the measure that would ban transgender athletes, but lawmakers are also reintroducing a bathroom bill. This would require transgender folks to use the bathroom that matches their sex assigned at birth. There are also some measures that would impact education, right? Yep. So there are two measures that would pretty much ban teachers or schools from teaching about LGBT issues or even acknowledge the existence of LGBT folks in the state. Now, these measures, Rachel, are being pushed by some lawmakers who have a tendency to get a lot of attention but don't often succeed at getting their ideas passed. So the fate of these bills is not clear. last four years, the Nashville LGBT Chamber has been sending open letters to the legislature as an attempt to stop the slate of anti-LGBT measures. The letters are signed by big corporations and small businesses who are afraid that these bills will make it harder for them to recruit people. Joe Woolley is the CEO of the chamber. He tells Sergio there are examples of states that have passed anti-LGBT laws and have faced economic consequences. So, Joe, I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. First, let's talk about the big picture here. What's your response to, to these measures? Well, unfortunately, we're here again. Um, it seems to, to never stop with the Tennessee legislature and their continual attacks against the LGBT community. 
Uh, once again, businesses are speaking out actually louder than ever and more forcibly than ever um, to, to push back against this. And I think that comes from a more, from the protests of 2020 against social injustice and systemic racism where, where companies, uh, I think, spoke out more on that issue than ever before. I think this just continues now. You know, what we do in regards to this is make the point on the impact that discriminatory legislation brings upon the state, specifically to business and the economy. And can you talk about that impact? I mean, you you lead the Nashville LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Are your members talking about these measures and how would it affect businesses in the state? Our members are talking about it. Our corporate members are the ones that are really speaking out and, and pushing back, but it affects all of our members. Our small business members are just as concerned about discriminatory legislation, but the corporations are who we are really working with um, when we do our open letter that we release every year um, opposing this legislation. It's who we're working with to get into legislators' offices and say, you know, face-to-face -face or now screen-to-screen. This affects our business. We cannot attract, retain, develop, and nurture the talent that we need if Tennessee is seen as a, as a hostile place to live and work. We need to be open and welcoming to everybody. And that doesn't just mean attracting and retaining talent from outside the state. There is, is data that shows that Tennesseans that are born and raised here are leaving the state to go to places that are seen and that are more inclusive. But let's step back before we did this letter. I mean, what kind of brought this about was the North Carolina bathroom bill back in 2016. South Dakota that year passed a bathroom bill similar in nature, but North Carolina was the first state that had real economic impact from doing that. South Dakota just didn't have the events and the economy and the tourism that North Carolina did. And North Carolina, it is estimated, lost anywhere from three to four billion dollars in lost revenue with the boycotts that came from, you know, sporting groups to tourism to conventions uh, to businesses that were going to bring in sometimes a thousand jobs into a city. And they went on record and said, we're not coming. We're moving to a state that isn't being discriminatory to, towards the LGBT community. And they added up all that lost revenue. And, and that's three to four billion that's quantifiable that you can point to and say was a direct impact from the passage of the anti-transgender bathroom bill. I want to talk about these organizations a little bit more, Joe, because, you know, we've heard in the past that companies consider, you know, leaving if the Tennessee General Assembly were to implement these anti-transgender measures. And, you know, right now the legislature is considering a few of them, including one that targets transgender athletes. And they are also bringing back a so-called bathroom bills. My question to you is, you know, are these companies actually willing to take their businesses elsewhere? Because it's important to remember, too, that many of them got incentives by the state government to come here. Yeah, that's always the question we get. The answer to that is, do you really want to take the chance and find out? And that's what it comes down to. I mean, they said the same thing in North Carolina when they passed the bathroom bill, and then they felt those ramifications. And I've always worried. 
and it's been pointed out that Tennessee goes out there. There's, there's, these bills are out there in a number of state legislators, legislatures across the country. They're out there, but Tennessee always seems to be out there with the number that are introduced and then on the severity of these bills. So they're more severe and there are more of them, which makes Tennessee stand out from all the other states. And Tennessee, though, also has the most to lose. And we make that case. Tennessee has all of these incredible business policies that make it a place that is attracting businesses from across the country. Um, We have one of the lowest unemployment rates in the country. Um, Businesses continue to relocate from from other states. It remains high. We have this thriving tourism, sports, convention business. The thing that concerns our businesses, though, is that legislators are going to step out off the curb and in front of that bus of an economic impact because they pass these bills. And do you, I mean, they make the argument it's not going to happen. Well, they don't know that. They're just hoping it doesn't and saying that. I, I want to talk about some of the other proposals that are out there. Um, there's a couple of them that prohibit institutions like schools or universities to teach or even address the fact that there are LGBT members in this community, in the state and in this world. And, you know, it seems like in a way these lawmakers are trying to erase the existence of LGBT lives. Can you talk about how these measures would impact specifically young LGBT people in the state? Well, this is where we kind of shift from, you know, our stance on the business impact of these bills to the impact on LGBT citizens. The athlete bill, again, is a bill in search of a problem. It is in 21 other states, and there is a concerted effort to pass it this year and as many states to do it as they can, because the other side is claiming that if enough states do it, they won't be able to bring down a boycott and economic harm on the ones that do. By the way, Idaho passed the trans athlete bill and the trans hormone bill last year, but then COVID happened. Let's talk about where we are this year right now and where we were a year ago when the Idaho laws were passed. We are in a completely different world than we One, the economy is in shambles and COVID has affected everything. And we should be very careful doing further harm to our economy, especially self-inflicted harm. So let's get that point out there. But then let's look at just the, the standing legally that is out there in the world that has changed from a year ago in regards to this issue. You had the Supreme Court case of Bostock ruled upon by the Supreme Court And it said that Title VII protects sexual orientation or gender identity and sexual orientation are considered part of Title VII under Bostock. The Trump administration said, we are only going to enforce this in in the workplace. And they said, and they didn't include education or sports or healthcare, which are the other three areas. On day one of the Biden administration, President Biden issued an executive order that said his administration and the federal government will interpret it as affecting the workplace, education, healthcare, and sports under Title VII. 
And the judge in Idaho has ruled that both of those are, are affected by that Supreme Court case ruling. So if these laws, or if these bills move forward here in Tennessee and are passed and signed by the governor and become law, they will immediately be challenged and it looks like not upheld. They'll be deemed unconstitutional because of the interpretation of Title VII and the Supreme Court case uh, that, that ruled that way. So you're doing this and risking economic harm to the state with that in mind. Now we have to open the LGBT lawmakers in the state legislature. Do you think uh, having them on the Hill can help stop some of these uh, bills? Are, are you banking on that? I wouldn't say banking on it. I'd say I'm hopeful for it. I think it is a lot hard. It's a lot harder. And the, there's data that can show that when you have an openly LGBT person sitting at the table, especially in a state legislature, it is more difficult for their colleagues to look them in the eye and talk about discriminatory legislation. Also, they're getting to know them. They're seeing them as instead of this group that I may not know about, this is my colleague and my friend um, that sits across from me. Uh, I do think that they will have an impact, I think, because they can educate directly on it by just being themselves. Uh, I think the more LGBT people you know, the the harder it is to discriminate against them because then it's a face with a, a, a person um, of a certain group. Joe Woolley is the CEO of the Nashville LGBT Chamber. Thanks a lot. Thank you. If there's one thing you should pay attention to this week, it's the debate on Governor Lee's constitutional carry proposal. That's right. That's the measure we talked a little bit ago. It would allow Tennesseans to carry a gun without a permit. That discussion will take place on Wednesday during the House Criminal Justice Subcommittee. You can watch the stream online at capital.tn.gov. Thank you so much for listening. This week's episode was produced by me, Sergio Martinez Beltran, and Kendall Crawford. And the music you heard is from Blue Dot Sessions. We hope that you subscribe to this political podcast, The TriStar State. Subscribe online at WPLN.org slash TriStar or on your favorite podcasting app. Until next week. Thank you.